just need, which is that fresh wind, especially after this last year, that encouragement, that hope that can only come from, from God. And that really is what we're here to remember. That's what we're here uh, to celebrate today. And I'm so, so, so glad uh, that you are here. My name is Jarrett, and I'm one of the lead pastors here at Soul City Church. And uh, I just, it's, when I say, like, I'm so glad you are here, that's a lot. Just those words, you are here, that's significant. You need to give yourself a round of applause that you are actually here. You made it. And so turn to the person next to you in your little pod right now. Turn to someone and say, you are here. You are here. That is significant. That's no small thing. And not only are you here, very few of you are in athleisure. You look fantastic you're not only here, but you showed up and showed out today. So I am so glad that you are here. And we believe that God is here with us. He's brought you here uh, for this moment. And this uh, moment is significant. This day that we're here to honor and to remember and to celebrate. Uh, this Easter story, you know, is uh, one of the most theologically rich and, and beautiful, complex stories in the Bible. It's one that ends in triumph and celebration, no doubt, but begins in darkness and desperation. It's a story that is rooted in hope, ultimately, but wrapped in hopelessness in the midst of the story. It's a story that actually begins at what seems like the end, where those first Followers of Jesus who'd spent the last three years of their lives following Jesus, trusting him, listening to him to every word he said, especially the things he said about his own death and resurrection where he told them exactly what would happen. And yet still somehow on that first Easter Sunday morning, the last thing they were expecting was a resurrection. They just didn't see it coming. Maybe because for them it just all seemed too good to be true. It just, it just seemed too good to be true. You know that feeling, right? When you, ever, you ever have that feeling where something just feels too good to be true? It's hard for you to actually believe that, that this would happen. Like, think about the last time uh, you were surprised. When's the last time someone really, when's the last time you were really surprised? That, that's the feeling I'm talking about. When someone really, really got you, you know, they like gotcha, gotcha. Like, they didn't blow it leading up to whatever the surprise is, Right? Maybe they, they flew in to surprise you for a weekend back when um, we used to fly places. Uh, maybe they uh, threw you a surprise party um, back when we used to have parties. Or, 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 or maybe they got you that gift. Someone got you a gift that you really, really wanted, you know, and you have no idea how they knew that you wanted it other than you talking about it for several months and sending them multiple links and then bookmarking it on their browser. But oh my gosh, they got it for you. That feeling of being surprised where something's just too good to be true. Raise your hand if you love surprises. If you love surprises, raise your hand up nice and big and high. Oh yes, love surprises. Now, because you got all dressed up and you came all the way out here, let's be honest and get real. Who here doesn't like surprises? Raise your hand. Oh, okay, it's about half the room. You like what we call control. You like control. It's okay. No, all are welcome. It takes all of us. So I'm glad that you are here as well. We're going to work on that with you right now. Our, when it comes to our family, we love surprises. Like it is a competition in our family to outdo each other in the surprise department. Honestly, it's probably unhealthy. It's probably going to lead to some counseling bills for our kids later on in life. Because we just love to outdo each other. And to be totally honest, because she's here, uh, I have to say it, if there's a leaderboard in our family for who is at the top when it comes to surprises, it's Jeannie. My wife, Jeannie, 
is the best at surprises. She has thrown extravagant surprise parties for each of us, for several of her friends. She has surprised our kids with last-minute trips, you know, surprised them and took them someplace special. She's a big fan of the um, last Christmas gift, you know, the one I'm talking about that's too good to be under the tree, like, I don't know, maybe go check the garage. Now She's done it so much so that now our kids expect that and are really disappointed with a normal Christmas, so we're going to have to work through that as well. Uh, I love surprises, and as much as I love surprises and surprising people and being surprised, I think if I were... To really be honest about it, there are some times, not, not all the time, but there are some times where I really, I struggle to accept it. I, tr- I struggle, maybe you can relate, I struggle to accept that someone would spend that kind of intentional time and that kind of intentional love on me. Sometimes I feel like, I don't deserve, you, you could have done a lot more with your time, I don't deserve this, or... Or I feel guilty that someone went through all this work for me, you know, and then I feel that feeling maybe you felt before, like, okay, now I have to outdo them next year on it, right? And sometimes I just have a hard time accepting that kind of, of love. And I, and I think what's true of all of us at some level, whatever it may be that comes into our life, I think it's hard for us to accept what you don't expect. When something comes into your life that you're not expecting, it can be hard to accept it. It can be hard to receive it. It can be hard to uh, adjust to it. Now, obviously, I think we, could all, we would all say that when difficult things come into our lives, they're hard to accept, aren't they? Things that we don't expect or see coming. Losses in our life that all of us have suffered. I mean, I think about just this last year. Just think about how much you didn't expect and how hard it's been to accept it. I honestly, last Easter... I did not expect that you all would be here. We would be in this space this Easter. I did not expect that. I did not expect that we would all be wearing masks, and I'm just going to assume underneath those you're smiling and enjoying this message. I did not accept that for a long time. It was hard for me to get that this is a part of our new reality. And so obviously we, we can talk about the things in our life that are hard or difficult to come to in our life, but that's actually not what I want to talk about for the next few moments. What I want to talk about are the, the things that come into our lives that are just too good to be true, that's just too hard for us to believe. Like when someone goes out of their way to express love to you, when someone treats you better than you think you actually deserve. Sometimes I think those things are hardest for us to accept. And that's exactly what's going on in the middle of this Easter story. Those first followers of Jesus had such a hard time, as you're going to see here in a second, had such a hard time accepting what they weren't expecting. They honestly just could not believe that Jesus not only died and that he was now gone from their lives, but they could not believe that he had actually been raised by God from the dead. Just like he told them was going to happen, just like all the prophecies had foretold, yet for some reason it just seemed too good to be true for them. In fact, the Bible tells us that after Jesus was crucified, like a common criminal, hung on a cross to die, as innocent as he was, and after Jesus was was buried in a borrowed tomb, wasn't even his tomb, it was a borrowed tomb, that after those events, those first followers of Jesus, you know what their response was? They went into hiding. They ran and hid which if we're to be really honest, is not a good look for these spiritual leaders. It's not a great start to a global movement, would you agree? 
Because you have to try, just try and for a moment, put yourself into their shoes or put yourself into their sandals for a moment if you can. Because you have to try and imagine what that must have been like for them. Because for them, all of a sudden, in an instant, this beautiful dream of a life they imagined with Jesus had turned into a brutal nightmare as they watched and witnessed his murder. And they, again, even though he had told them that that was the whole point, that was a part of God's plan, they just couldn't believe it. They couldn't accept it, that it had all come to this. And my hunch is they thought they might be next. And so they hid. And in Mark 16, we see that after a a full day, we've been reading the gospel of Mark over the last couple of months, and it all culminates in Mark 16. And we see that after a full day of Jesus actually being dead and gone, while his friends and followers were still in hiding, those first leaders of the church were actually at this moment in hiding, there was a few women that were followers of Jesus who had followed Jesus to the tomb after the Sabbath. So they went after the Sabbath celebration That early Easter Sunday morning, they went to the tomb to prepare his body to, uh, there's no other way to say it, to stay dead. They went there to embalm his body so that they could preserve his body to stay dead. Now, I just want to hit pause because I want to keep going through the text, but I feel like I have to point something out that's incredibly significant. And I feel like anytime we get to this point in the story every Easter, I need to draw your attention to this. It's important to pay attention to who is there at the tomb that Easter morning. It was the women that were there. It was the women who had followed Jesus. It was the women who had largely supported the ministry of Jesus. It was the women who actually stayed with Jesus as he died on a cross. And here yet again on resurrection morning, it was the women at the tomb of Jesus. What am I getting at? My point is basically this, that if you want a job done right, you send a woman. That's all I'm saying. You send a woman. It's in the Bible. That was too easy, Louis, huh? I was, playing, I was just playing to half the room there. I'm sorry. It was too easy. It was too easy. But I mean, come on. It's pretty obvious, right? So Mark tells us that these brave women were in for quite a surprise that showed up there to embalm the body of Jesus. Uh, they showed up and experienced something they were not expecting, something they did not see coming, something, again, for them that seemed too good to be true. Because inside this, this empty tomb where they were expecting to find the lifeless body of Jesus, they found it empty. His body was gone. This only added to their fear and concern. But even in that that darkness and that desperation, the emptiness of the tomb, they actually weren't alone. An angel of God was there to tell them yet again that everything Jesus had told them was true, just as he said that God had raised him from the dead, that death had been defeated, and that resurrection was now a reality for everyone, that nothing now could separate anyone from the love of God. This was incredibly big news. This was good news. This changed everything for everyone. Now, you would like to think that if you were one of those women, if you were there on the scene that morning, and it was you standing in a tomb talking to, you know, an angel, that you might respond with, I don't don't know, that you might like run out dancing or or, or jumping or singing if you had heard that Jesus 
had been raised from the dead. This is such good news. I mean, for some of you, you would have pulled out your phone and done an Insta-Live right there from in front of the tomb, like, yo, fam, you're not going to believe this. The tomb's empty, right? Like, don't ever do that. But the point is, you would, have resp- you would like to think, I think we would all like to think that we would have gotten how good that news is. But I want you to actually see their response. And in a moment, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, if you're new around here to Soul City Church, maybe you came with a friend or you came with some family. I'm so glad you're here. I'm going to let you in on a little insider tip here. Uh, every now and then when, when we read from the Bible, I'll pause on a word, and that's your cue to shout that word back out. So if you've been here before, you kind of know that's what we do. And I'm going to make it so obvious. Like, I'm not going to leave you hanging. So, like, I'll even point to you. And when I point to you, you say that word back to me as loud as you can through your mask so I can hear you, okay? So this next verse we're going to read, we're going to do that together. Can we do that together? Ooh, Rosie, this is not, I don't think this is going to, I have this level of confidence in these folks that we can do this. Can we do this together? Okay, now we're going. So I want you to pay attention to the words I'm going to have you shout out. This is what it says in Mark 16, 8. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. Now listen, they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. That was their response. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. They weren't amazed. They were afraid. They couldn't comprehend it. They didn't have a box for it. They didn't know what to do with the reality of resurrection. And so they did what we so often do when we don't know what to do. They did nothing. They said nothing to anyone. They just kept it to themselves. Can you imagine Keeping that kind of news to yourself, just kind of like, well, we're not going to talk about that. You just kind of keep it to yourself. I mean, can you imagine not sharing that level of good news? Like imagine, just take it into our world today. Imagine like somehow at your kitchen table, you discovered the vaccine for COVID. You were the first to do it. It's probably not a healthy or safe work environment for you to do it, but you did it in your kitchen. And imagine having the vaccine for COVID, and then you just go and put it in your medicine cabinet right next to your deodorant. You would probably tell someone that you did that, right? Or, or imagine like one day you're doing a scratch off and you win the lottery. Imagine you win millions of dollars and then you just go to work next day and don't tell anyone about it. You wouldn't do that, would you? You wouldn't even go to work the next day, would you? No, you wouldn't, right? We wouldn't do that kind of thing. Imagine finding out that you're pregnant and then imagine you not posting online your earth-friendly, boho-chic, socially distanced gender reveal party for everyone to experience with you. Imagine not sharing anything from your life. We see a sunset and we take 50 pictures of it. We have a nice piece of avocado toast and we have to share it with the world. We don't know how to not share anything in our world today. So imagine being entrusted with this life-changing, history-framing, eternity-altering news like these women were. Imagine being the first to know, the first to hear that God had done what he said he would do, just as he said he would, that he had defeated death, he'd made a way for, for new life, real life in Jesus. Imagine what your response would be. How would you respond? What would your response be in that moment? Would it be like theirs? Wrapped in fear and, and despair, maybe you'd find it all just, you know, too good to be true that God actually did what he said he was going to do. Something that you just can't accept because it's not what you were actually expecting. See, I think what we see in these first responders, if you will, is something that is 
is true for all of us, this side of an empty tomb, this side of an empty tomb. It was true for them, and I believe it's true for you and me this Easter, and it's something I want you just to wrestle with today, and it's this. I believe that the reality of resurrection requires a response at some level. The reality of resurrection requires a response. It's not something we get to stay passive on. One way or another, somehow or another, the, the reality of resurrection requires a response. Now, it's arguable, it's easy to contend that the resurrection, the death and resurrection of Jesus is the single most significant event in all of human history, or at least for those of the Christian faith. This is what we build the whole thing on. It doesn't get more important than the death and resurrection of Jesus. So I would say if it's that significant, if it's that important, it requires a response at some level from you, from me. It requires a response. And the truth is, for many of us, we have such a hard time um, accepting all of this because we just don't expect God to love us like he actually does. Mostly probably because we have all of us are our own personal long lists of all the reasons that God couldn't love us. You have yours, I have mine. All the reasons God wouldn't love us or all the reasons God shouldn't love us. Like, God, really, you should not, you should not do this. We all have those lists. And so for lots of people, their response is that they just don't believe it. It's just too good to be true. All of us respond to the reality of resurrection differently. All of us will, but I believe that all of us at some level must respond to the reality of resurrection love. And maybe for you, this is the, the first time you're kind of hearing this and it's clicking, it's making sense. You know, you're going, wait a second, maybe God actually did do all of this. Maybe God did make a way and maybe he did it for me. Maybe there actually is hope. Maybe there actually is real life, new life in Jesus. And again, it may not be what you're expecting, right? Because I think for lots of us, what we expect is we expect God to be mad at us, right? Or we expect God to be disappointed in us. Or worse, we expect God to be indifferent about us. He just doesn't really care about you, right? That's what we expect. But that couldn't be any further from the truth. God loves you more than you will ever know or can humanly comprehend. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. More than you can ever even possibly know. He's made a way for you to actually live, to have new life, real life, true life in him. And the question is this Easter, how do you want to respond to that? How do you want to respond to that? Now, maybe for you this isn't new. You've heard it all before, right? And this ain't your first Easter rodeo. Not the first time you got dressed up on an Easter Sunday and showed up like this, right? You've heard it all before. Maybe faith mattered to you at a different season in your life. Maybe it mattered to you when you were younger or mattered to you a couple of years ago before the divorce or whatever it was, right? And however it happened, and maybe you can't even pinpoint it, but at some point you drifted. You just you drifted from God. Or, or maybe for you, you consciously, you walked away from God. Maybe you, you at some point got turned off by church or by religion or by religious people, which is easy to do, right? Maybe this last year for, for you was just more than you could bear. It was just more than you felt like you could handle. And somehow along the way, you lost hope. 
you lost a connection with God. You, you, you lost that sense of peace, of intimacy, of purpose with God. And the amazing thing is that no matter how that sort of happened, the amazing thing about Easter that it reminds us is that, is that God never actually lost you. He, now, no matter if you forgot about God, walked away from God, he's never forgotten about you. He has not lost sight of you. He's not lost track of you. He loves you. He's not forgotten about you. He's not abandoned you. And the same God who, who resurrected Jesus from the grave, maybe this Easter wants to resurrect your faith again. He wants to resurrect that new life in you again, a deeper love in you again, a greater sense of purpose for you again. And so if that's you, my question again is, how do you want, how do you want to respond to that invitation of resurrection love made available for you again? I know for me, uh, this Easter, my response to the reality of resurrection is very different than any other Easter I can remember my whole lifetime. After this last year and walking through all the challenges that we all faced in different ways with COVID and all that that brought with it after uh, losing, just over a year ago, losing my brother Scott, after losing my dad this past December, after our kids having to start at new schools virtually, after having to move, after facing one of the most difficult and challenging leadership years I can ever Remember where I found myself so many times this last year depending on and then depleting my own strength? Trying to keep myself safe, trying to keep my family safe, trying to keep moving forward to not lose hope. My response to the reality of resurrection love this year comes out of a place of desperation. Like if, you know, if, it had, if I could say it, it would sound like this, just, oh God. I need this to be true. I need this to be true. I need this to be true for me. We all respond to the reality of resurrection differently, but again, we must all respond. And I got to see a response here at our church not too long ago of someone who's a part of our church. I got to see it really like in real time, firsthand, uh, through my friend Miranda, who's been a part of our church for a couple years. She was actually serving all morning this morning here. Miranda is someone who uh, has heard it all before, right? She grew up around this stuff. She sang all the songs, knew all the verses. She had done it all before. But then life happened, you know, as it kind of always does. And through various difficult seasons and trials and challenges that she faced, interior battles of her own like we all have, she began to believe, like she believed that God's love was real, but what she believed is that it wasn't really for her. It's real, but it's not really for her. Not after, you know, what she had done. Not after all the lies that she'd believed about herself. Not after the heartaches and the heartbreaks that she'd actually walked through. She just had assumed, maybe like you, that God had given up on her. And it wasn't until one of our recent uh, baptism celebrations that we did here at Soul City that she finally found herself compelled to give in and give herself over to this resurrection love of God. She finally allowed herself to receive it for herself, to believe that it actually really was for her. 
And in fact, in writing on that moment, that decision for her to get baptized, to say yes to Jesus, uh, she wrote these words. She's an amazing writer, and she wrote these words. She said that day she felt a spiritual shift take place in her, a spiritual shift that took place from the question of, can God really love me after all that I've done, to the truth of, God really can love me after all that I've done. See, what Miranda got is what I believe is the real surprise of Easter, the thing that we don't see coming. And it's this, is what we don't expect is that God accepts us. We just don't expect God to accept us like he does. We're the ones that add all the terms and conditions. We're the ones who say, yeah, but first God, I gotta do this. Yeah, but first God, I gotta clean up that. Yeah, but first God, I gotta make this right. We just don't expect God to accept us like he does. And I don't know why that is, because I think deep down all of us actually long for forgiveness and freedom, but we just don't expect that God actually wants to offer it to us. We don't expect God to give us the purpose and peace that he promises each of us. We don't actually expect God to have for us the healing and the hope that we so desperately need. No one expects God to accept them like he does just as they are. And yet that's what he does. That's what he does for you. That's what he does for me. He accepts you as you are. He loves you as you are. He made a way for you as you are. And the question again is, how do you want to respond to that? To a God who accepts you, who loves you, who's made a way for you through his son, and his death and resurrection. How do you want to respond to that? Could it be that this is actually what you've been longing for, what you've been looking for your whole life? Could it be that that even though this may sound for you, it may sound too good to be true, that God actually loves you, that God accepts you, that Jesus has made a way for you, that new life is actually available to you today this Easter, and that all you have to do to receive that from him, all you have to do to accept that from him is say one simple word that will change the rest of your life, and that word is yes. Yes. I say yes to you, Jesus. And I don't want you to miss this moment. I believe God brought you here for a reason. I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to to miss this moment like the, the women that we saw in this story. It wasn't until later that they got the reality of resurrection love. I don't want you to wait another Easter. I don't want you to wait another Sunday. I don't want you to wait another moment and miss this. And so if, if there's something like stirring and burning inside of you that wants to just say yes, yes to Jesus, yes as your response to the reality of his resurrected love, I want to give you an opportunity to do just that right here, right now, just as you are. And the amazing thing is to consider is that there are countless people around the world right now, this is crazy, that are praying for your yes right now in this moment. They are praying that you would say yes to Jesus. They're praying that you would just say yes and accept maybe what it was you weren't expecting when you woke up this morning. So I want to take a moment and pray with you if I can. And I, to do that, I'm going to ask you to stand if you would right where you're at. Just stand right where you're at. I want to lead you through a prayer. You can just take it and make it yours. And if you're new around here, maybe it's your first Sunday here or first time in a long time, 
Um, there's a way that we like to pray. It's a posture we like to take. We like to open up our hands. Some folks are already doing it. We just open up our hands like this. Maybe you were taught to pray with your hands folded. That's not in the Bible. They just did that so you don't poke the kids next to you. We think, we think it's true. Th- this is a better way to pray because our body says something. It says, I'm available to you, God. I'm, I'm, I'm open. I'm available. And so if you'd be willing, would you take that posture? Consider your own response to the reality of resurrected love. I'm going to ask you if you would to just close your eyes for a moment just so that you can be present to this moment. With your hands open, your your eyes are closed, I want you to just take a breath. Take a couple deep breaths. And I'm going to say it again. You're here. You are here. God brought you here. And God is here with you. And he's offering you the invitation to experience resurrection love. And I want to give you an opportunity to say yes, to respond to that. Maybe for the first time in your life, maybe this is just saying yes again to him. But I wonder if you'd be willing to have that be your response today. So if that's you, if you want to say yes to Jesus, then you can just take these words I'm about to pray and make them your own however you want to say them. But I think the best way to start is with that name that's above all names, that beautiful, matchless, powerful name. Why don't you just say Jesus? Just say Jesus. I say yes to you. I confess that I've made a mess of my life without you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for accepting me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for giving me new life in you. It's in your name And by your resurrection love that I pray, amen, amen.